When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, APGov, and welcome to a Checkpoint podcast review for your Checkpoint quiz on Unit 3, Political Participation. We have covered three topics so far. We have covered voter expansion. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have covered political parties and interest groups. So let's do a quick little review uh, of those topics. Uh, so let's start off with what we started off with, which is 3.1 for AP College Boards uh, 5.1, and that is voter expansion. So we looked at uh, several amendments and pieces of legislation that has expanded suffrage. So let's mention what suffrage is. First off, that's just the right to vote. Okay. So don't get tripped up or confused because you think it's something else. It's just the right to vote. So we started off with the 15th Amendment. The 15th Amendment, remember, gave uh, or guaranteed the right to vote to all African-American males because up to this point uh, or in the, the time from the Civil War ending to when this was uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, and I think, I want to say it was 1869, but I could be wrong. It might be 1867. <clears throat> Anyways, the South was trying to suppress voters and keep people that now have the right to vote uh, from voting, and so they wanted to make sure that it was in writing in a part of the Constitution as to who was given the right to vote. Now, this is the culmination for males in the country as well, uh, for the most part, um, remember back in the day, it used to be landowning males, and then it was any males, well, any white males, and then uh, the 15th Amendment makes it to where all males are given the right to vote. Now, we'll talk about the ages a little bit later, but as far as just uh, based on male and female, males culminates with the 15th. Uh, we talked about the 17th Amendment. Remember, this gives the, the right to pick our senators directly to us. Uh, up to this point, the state legislatures had picked uh, who our state senators were. And so we had an indirect voice because we did get to pick our state legislatures, but we did not get to directly pick those state senators uh, or the, the national senators at the state level. And so uh, the 17th Amendment gives us that right. The 19th Amendment gives women the right to vote. 1919 uh, is when women finally got the right to vote in this country. Um, it had been a long battle. I think most of you probably remember your U.S. history days. Uh, probably remember some of the, the some of the movement. I guess would be the best way to say it, uh, leading up to the, the eventual Nineteenth Amendment. Uh, we talked about the Twenty Fourth Amendment, which is going to ban poll taxes. So it gets rid of the that um, piece of voter suppression. Uh, the poll tax it says you can't do it; makes it illegal. Cannot do it. And then the Twenty Sixth Amendment is going to give uh, the right to vote to 18 year olds. And so remember, this was uh, something that kind of started in uh, right after the Vietnam War, or not, excuse me, right after World War II uh, because of the draft. You know, people were being drafted at 18 to go off and fight, but they couldn't come home. If they came home after, you know, after two years and they were 20, they still couldn't vote. So uh, the, the movement started then and it culminated in uh, during the Vietnam War when the same issue was happening. Hey, you can be sent off at 18 to fight, but you can't come home and vote to, for people that might not 
maybe would the, would get rid of the draft. And so uh, that's where that comes from. And then we looked at three pieces of legislation. 1957 Civil Rights Act, 1964 Civil Rights Act, and the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Um, so the 57 Voting Rights Act was a huge piece of legislation, and it would have done a lot of stuff. Um, remember, though, that the segregationists in the South fought it, and it eventually got really watered down, and it didn't really do what it was initially created to do. So uh, the people that created it had this, you know, it was pretty bold, or maybe not bold, but I mean, it was, this was a big deal because this was really the first piece of civil rights legislation since the 1800s. And so uh, it was, it was meant to be a, a really powerful tool, but then it got uh, kind of water. Um, but anyways, the, it did create the kind of the department uh, in the Department of Justice that would handle civil rights issues. Uh, 64, they finally kind of get what the 57 Act was supposed to be. They get in the 64 Civil Rights Act. The Civil Rights Act was a huge, really all-encompassing bill, law, whatever you want to call it. It, um, it does what most of us know it did in that it protects people from being discriminated against based on race, sex, religion. Can't be uh, fired because of that. Can't be not hired because of that. Uh, and all those sorts of things. And so um, that's a, a huge deal. Uh, it also is going to do some voting things, all right? So it's gonna attempt to get rid of uh, some of the voter suppression items like the literacy tests uh, and things like that uh, in the, the country. Uh, it does a lot more for it, but I think for our purposes, if we can remember that uh, it's going to extend voting and make it, we also couldn't discriminate. I mean, the, the, the discrimination thing, I kind of said it, and then I kind of just assumed, hey, y'all recognize that applies to, to voting also. But you couldn't discriminate in voting, in registration, and any of that stuff. You know, it wasn't just, it was initially, hey, hotels, motels, and some restaurants, and things like that. But it basically got extended to every, every, every aspect of, of, of American life. And so you couldn't discriminate there. Uh, and then the final one, the 65 Civil Rights Act, <coughs> Voting Rights Act, excuse me, the 65 Voting Rights Act. This one uh, was another important piece because this is the one that was focused on voting and really focused on voter registration and making it uh, safer and more secure uh, to vote or to register to vote. And so uh, after the, the 65 Act, uh, you're going to really see an uptick in African-Americans registering to vote, going out and voting because it is going to be made safer um, and easier. Um, and you'll actually see some African-Americans start to win office because now uh, they have the ability to, to, to register to vote safely and securely, uh, the, the ability to, to vote uh, for the individuals that are running for office that they want to see win and things like that. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back and we'll talk about uh, political parties and interest groups. Okay. Hello, welcome back. So let's pick up now with political parties and interest groups. Uh, and I'm going to try and do this together because there are a lot of questions on the test that kind of compare the two. So just uh, keep that in mind. All right. So first off, though, remember uh, that one of the, the big themes of this unit is linking me and you as citizens to our elected officials. And basically, how does elections, how does you know, the, the, the voter turnout stuff, how does that link us to our, um, our people? And political parties, 
how does that link us to to our politicians? How does interest groups link us? And you know, there's a number of ways that it, it can. We'll try and go through a couple of them. Um, but just remember, at the end of the day, as an individual, we probably won't have much success getting hold of our uh, politicians. But we can potentially go through our political parties, you know, whether you like them or not. Uh, that is a kind of an avenue you can take to get to um, a politician. You might not talk directly, but if you go and then you express your your issues, your problems um, to a political party member, someone who's working for them, maybe that message eventually gets to the, the politicians themselves for some changes and things like that. Uh, but let's go through the roles and a couple other things that we did with political parties. So first off, the roles. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the big functions that political parties has. There's a couple of them. Um, one of the big ones is going to be, you know, mobilizing me and you. And that's one of the ways that we get connected. And when I say mobilizing, that means gets us excited to go out and vote, gets us excited to go out and register to vote, uh, and those sorts of things. Getting us information, getting us, you know, kind of ready to go with some of the issues of the day. Um, and so that's going to be mobilization. Uh, they inform us as citizens. You know, we, I think I told you in the the last couple of election cycles, I've just been overrun with flyers from both parties. And it's not just, hey, here's our candidate, go vote for him. It's, hey, here's how to vote. Hey, here's how to register to vote. So giving us information like that, informing me of the platforms and the policies and the uh, the way people have voted in Congress for the, the incumbents. And just all this information has come from both sides. <clears throat> so they are trying to inform me as a voter, uh, they will do fundraising, you know, raising money for the candidates. Uh, now, for the parties, typically what happens is you'll donate money to the political party and it goes into that fund. And then the political parties kind of spend that money as they see fit on campaigns uh, around the country, especially at the national level. Uh, state level is kind of the same way, except for it'll be spent at the state level when you donate to a party like that. Um, and then they're going to also recruit candidates to run. Uh, remember, that's uh, something that happens actually pretty often. They're always looking for people to run for office uh, because especially young people, uh, you know, think, take a look at some of the ages of some of our politicians that are out there. They're, a lot of them are old, so they're going to have to be replaced at some point. Um, so they'll do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, let's see. We also talked about critical elections. Remember, those are those elections that are going to really kind of change uh, something about the country, all right? You know, we said 1860 was one because the Civil War happened and we we lost the Whigs uh, after that. And, you know, that's a fundamental change to the country. Uh, I said 1932 because, you know, that's ushering in, ushering in this whole new mindset of the American people that, hey, the federal government can be dependent upon to do stuff for us, to, to help us in times of need, and uh, really gave the, the federal government some control where they, they while they were in charge, you know, remember the supremacy clause and that sort of stuff, uh, they didn't really exert all that much control. Uh, they were there, they were operating, but people did their thing, the states kind of did their thing with the 1932 election, FDR, the New Deal, all that stuff really starts to kind of get this kind of snowball roll into the of the federal government becoming a larger and larger piece of the the U.S. kind of landscape or whatever. But anyways, that, that's a critical election where something's going to change, whether it be 
parties going away, uh, fundamental changes to America, things like that. And then we talked about uh, campaigns, how we have moved away from <clears throat> the party campaign to the center campaign. Uh, the, 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 camp, the candidate-centered campaign where it used to be, hey, we're running as a party. So, you know, that's the focal point. Now it's, hey, I'm running and the party's in the background. That's their platform. Here's my platform. And then when people win, they're going to morph into that. Uh, third parties we talked about, remember, they struggle in this country mainly because of the winner-take-all system that we, we, we have. And, and it's not just, you know, we talked about presidents, but really, almost any election we have is going to be that winner take all system. And so they're going to struggle because third parties are going to have find it hard to get 50% of the votes. Uh, it's just not something uh, that they're going to, to be able to achieve because people do feel like um, they throw their votes away when you vote for a third party person. But winner take all, just remember you, you got to get 50.1% and then you win the election. Uh, now some States in the electoral college, they do the proportional where they will divide up their, electoral votes based on the proportions of your victory. Uh, but um, it's not enough, okay? With only two states doing it, uh, third parties just aren't going to have the success that they would like to, all right? Uh, okay, <clears throat> now I'll, there's like three questions on the quiz, and I think I, I feel like I kind of messed up and I shouldn't have put so many questions on the quiz that ask you about the difference between political parties and interest groups. A couple things to, to keep in mind, and I think this will be okay with you. Uh, or for the quiz. Uh, first off, remember, political parties are very broad. Interest groups are very narrow, meaning interest groups have a single issue that they're concerned about, and then they don't really worry about anything else going on in the country uh, versus political parties, which have to be very, very broad. They have to be worried about everything. Okay, They have to be worried about the uh, economic policy, the social policy, uh, the foreign policy. They have to be worried about all this stuff and all these issues. Interest groups, eh doesn't bother me. Economics, I'm not that worried about it as long as my issue is taken care of and dealt with. The other thing you need to remember is that political parties want to really run the government from the inside. So they want to get the leadership in place and they want to kind of institute their agenda versus interest groups who just want to affect the government very limited because they're only really worried about their one issue. They don't want to be responsible for everything going on in the country. Uh, so they're going to look to just influence the government through the stuff that we talked about uh, in class the other day, where they're going to try and get Congress people elected, and those Congress people they hope are going to be sympathetic to their issues, their needs, uh, and their wants as a as an interest group. Okay, um, <clears throat> so we talked about electioneering. Uh, that is the process that the interest groups go through of trying to get people elected. So they will donate money, they will campaign. Uh, they'll do some of the same things that interest groups, do, I mean, uh, political parties do with mobilizing voters and forming voters and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, the big things they do is they're going to give money, donate money. They're going to spend money on campaigns. Um, sometimes it's just running commercials and things like that. <clears throat> and then they're also going to lobby, remember. So they will um, send people. You can be a lobbyist if you want to. Uh, but they will send these people to try and talk and convince the committee's members, you know, people on that committee, uh, that they helped get elected. They're going to want to talk to them and say, hey, there's this bill, bill House Bill 245. Uh, we really like it. We would like for you to push it through. And so if that congressperson agrees with them, maybe that congressperson works to push that bill through like they want. 
or they say, hey, we don't like House Bill 250. We want you to kill it. So maybe that congressperson works to kill it. Or, hey, we just don't like this one part of House Bill 250. You're on the committee that's going to look at it. Maybe take that part out. So they're going to work the congressperson through the lobbyist. Okay. Um, I think that is it. I said there's no iron triangles on this, and there is not an iron triangle. We'll get to that more in detail in later units. So I think I think that's all I got. All right, guys. Uh, hopefully this helped. Hopefully it wasn't too bad for you, and I'll see you in class. Take care. Bye-bye.